0: Welcome. Welcome to the Captain Bay Church Podcast. Uh, this is Irei. Uh, we are continuing our series, Beginning with God. We're going through Mark's Gospel together. Today is Mark chapter 3. Um, now before we begin, just, just a note on this podcast. So uh, I said right at the beginning in the intro that I was reading this, um, you know, for the first time, uh, as in just recording these as if i'm reading this chapter for the first time Uh, and so that's how the previous two were done now i've realized as i was editing that i've been editing out a lot of silence or mumbling or uh, (laughs) um you know um yeah so editing out the bits where i was just trying to figure it out now I, i really do want these uh these devotional sort of thingies to be helpful for you, and 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 not just to, you know just a waste of your time listening to my silence. So, uh, just for the sake of clarity, um, well, what I'm going to do now is I'll, I'll I'll do a little bit of pre-reading beforehand, and so I you know I'm not spending a lot of time in silence. Just sort of um, yeah. So I'll, I'll do that. Hopefully, you know it's 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 still it's still helpful for you because we're still going through God's word together. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to clarify. And uh, point that little change out. I'm going to pray and we'll get straight into this passage. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do not leave us in silence or by ourselves. But you come to us with your grace and love and mercy. And you show us who you are. You reveal to us who we are. And you highlight for us how much we need you. And so we express that need by coming to your word, knowing that it is good for us. Please, Father, change us to be more like the Son, Jesus Christ, we see here in Mark 3 today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's read Mark 3. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boineges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand and if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they are, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin for they were saying he has an unclean spirit and his mother and his brothers came and standing outside they sent to him and called him and a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him your mother and your brothers are out seeking are outside seeking you and he answered them who are my mother and my brothers and looking about at those who sat around him he said here are my brother here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of god He is my brother and sister and mother. So that was Mark 3. Uh, Let's remind ourselves of where we are. Mark is written so that we can know the kingdom that Jesus is bringing and how good this kingdom is that Jesus is bringing for us. Um, In chapter 1, we saw Jesus on the scene, he proclaims the gospel. In chapter 2, uh, we see scenes of uh, his opposition, uh, but but the opposition was, was a way of revealing the, the graciousness uh, and the awesomeness that the kingdom is for sinners like you and me. And then we come to chapter 3. Now, just as we go through, I'm asking three main questions. One, what do we notice? Two, are there any questions that we have? And three, applications to pray for. Um, I think The thing that I'm noticing uh, is that first bit of chapter 3, so verses 1 to 6. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing there that I think that part was related to or, or, or similar to the previous part. So, um, you know, in at the beginning of chapter 3 again he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus uh, i'm just the yeah the fact that um it, it's sort of like a similar scene because you've got questions by uh these pharisees um which is very very similar to the scenes that were happening previously and and it, uh, yeah i think chapter 3 verse 6 it says here, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with Herodias against him how to destroy him. That that phrase, that that line, I think is the climax of the opposition we saw in chapter 2. So I'm going to sort of, you know, uh, that beginning part of chapter 3, I think is actually part of a section of chapter 2 that helps us see the climax of uh, opposition going to this part where the Pharisees and the Herodians, you know, the Jews, um, all coming together uh, against uh, God's anointed, seeking to destroy him. Um, so I think that that's sort of what that previous part is saying. So uh, I'm not going to deal too much with that one because I think we, we dealt with it yesterday. Um, though... I think and, and and as I said I, I've, I've read this a couple of times before the scenes remaining we've got three uh, we've got four scenes sorry we've got the great crowds following Jesus we've got the twelve apostles on the mountain being commissioned we've got this scene where Jesus is saying some stuff about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and then his family comes up again at the end um I was trying to think about what what what's the, you know, the common thread in in these. I think it has something to do with who these different people what they think about Jesus. Let me explain. The great crowds, they follow Jesus and they're from all around, you know, they they are from all around, uh, even outside Jerusalem and Judea. Um they're from all around and they come to him because See there, at the end of verse eight, when the great crowds heard all that he was doing, they came to him, uh, for he had healed many, verse ten, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. So what you know they, they, there are these great crowds and they're following Jesus. Why are they following Jesus? it It seems from what we can see from Mark's gospel, from the description of these people and their motivation, they seem to be coming around him because they've heard, Oh, Jesus can heal. He can heal my diseases. He can, he can, clean, he, he can clean me. Uh, this disease that I've had for many, many years, he can make me better. So that, that sort of seems to be their motivation to coming to Jesus. Um, you, you've got also the 12 apostles here. Now, this is quite interesting. We actually don't know why the 12 apostles are following Jesus at this moment. At, at this point in Mark's gospel we see that there are 12 apostles who are um, who are sent out by Christ but we we actually don't get a sense of what these disciples what they think about Jesus in fact what's the word that the agency the agency or motivation is 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 taken away and that's sort of emphasized in the fact that in verse 13 and 14 the main person who's doing all these all the actions is jesus he went up on the mountain he called to him those uh, sorry and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him he appoints the twelve so here jesus is the main actor in in bringing people that he wants but we really don't get a sense of what these disciples think about jesus in fact when we go on further throughout the mark's gospel we'll begin to see more and more that actually the disciples didn't have a clear understanding of who jesus was and what his kingdom was going to be like uh they they almost are along the journey with us, readers, as we begin to see more and more about the kingdom that Jesus brings. Like I think sometimes when we think about the disciples, we think that um, that they're a flat character. I mean, they they don't really have a progression. They're always good, and you know they're always with Jesus, and they always knew these things. That's why they wrote all the books of the Bible that they did. But in fact, that's absolutely uh, untrue because we we see, you know, um, who's the guy who 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 gets rebuked by Jesus the most, well, it's Simon Peter. Why? Well, because he had misunderstood what, he, what Jesus was going to be like, what the Christ was going to be like. And we'll actually see that going forward. Uh, Thomas, um, you know, one of the people who are around him, he was, you know, he's known to us as the doubter. Um, so there, there are these disciples in this gospel and the other gospels as well, where they are growing in their understanding of who Jesus is. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is even when the 12 disciples are called at this point, we don't get a sense of what they think the kingdom will be like or who they think Jesus is. And I think that's the focus of of this chapter so far, because we see it again um, with the scribes uh, from 22 to to 30, the the third scene there. Um, They think that Jesus is possessed by Satan. Um, and he goes on and, and, and uses these um, parables, you know, or how can a house that's divided against yourself stand or a kingdom stand or, you know, all, all these sort of things. Um, I won't get all into it because I'm still trying to figure it out. But, but basically, Jesus is very, very, very offended because it, it's, it's as if they're saying, look, you're doing all these things because you're probably of the devil. Now, that that is not just an offense against Jesus. That is an offense against the whole revelation of God. that as that, that, against the whole plan of God. God, before time, ordained for his son to come into the world and to save sinners like us. It, it, it was the Christ, the anointed one who would come to judge the living and the dead, and to bring about his kingdom. And so when people say Jesus is not of God, but you're actually of Satan, well, man, like you've basically offended not just Jesus, you know, the man standing in front of you, but the whole plan of God, which which I think is um, what's behind the, the the scene of grieving the Holy Spirit. So rather than being a, a, a an individual act, um, I think it's rather y- you are actually by rejecting jesus you're actually rejecting a lot more than just jesus you are reflect you are rejecting god's whole plan and who he is and what he's trying to do so i think that that's 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 what these scribes think of jesus they think of him as someone who's possessed by satan and then you got at the very end there uh, from verse 31 to the end uh, the the family members uh, of Jesus, uh, his mothers and brothers, and they're basically, you know, uh, we 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 see him beforehand as well in verse twenty and twenty one, um, you know, talk about um, parents with high expectations. Uh, you know, Jesus Christ is going around, got a following from all around the world, an international star, healing the many. Is you know, it's chasing out demons, and his mum goes, "Oi, you know, you're crazy. Come back home and you know, do your homework," sort of sort of thing. The, even their family members they don't really know who jesus is now we see these groups of people we saw first the great crowds who followed jesus you've got the disciples who have been called by jesus you've got the scribes who are questioning jesus and you got the family who don't really know much about jesus well they think they do they think they know jesus the crowds think they know Jesus because of all the healings that He's doing. The disciples think they know Jesus because He's just around them. The scribes think they know Jesus because, uh, of, 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 I think, their spiritual blindness and hardness of heart to not acknowledge what God is doing through Christ, and their family sure don't know anything about Jesus. Now, why is this here? Why, why, why is this part here? We've seen so much about the kingdom of God and so much about what Jesus is trying to bring. And here we come to a part where it f- seems to focus a lot on the identity of Jesus Christ, on what he's trying to do. What's, what's Mark trying to do here? What's, if, if this was a scene in a movie, you'd have to stop, you know, you have to press pause and think about it. What is going on at this part? he's he's my he's my guess um i think mark is trying to show us that the identity or who we think jesus is also reflects what we think about god's kingdom as in we we speak about christianity sometimes as you know um Oh, it's a set of beliefs, or, you know, it's it's, it's a set of behaviors, and or how do you know you're a Christian? Well, you know, if, if you go to church, or you ask, you know, how's your Christian life? Well, we usually reply by saying, oh, you know, yeah, my Bible reading's been really good, and, you know, I've been praying a bit more, and, you know, I haven't done this, you know, whatever, which, you know, don't get me wrong, that's awesome stuff, but it it seems to be, that we speak more about sometimes, Sometimes we we speak more about the kingdom of God and, and, and the fruits of that, and a bit less about the actual king of this kingdom. What we think about Jesus also reflects what we think about his kingdom. So maybe that's why Mark's trying to focus our attention on who these people think Jesus is, because you can't have the kingdom without the king. And so at the moment, we're all seeing, okay, this king has come. He's proclaiming the gospel. He is proclaiming and bringing in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is receiving opposition as Jesus is going onto the scene. And now people are questioning the king. And so maybe this part of Mark is trying to help us focus on what people think about Jesus, because he wants us to know you can't have a kingdom without a king. You can't have access to the kingdom without really knowing the king. Now, the huge irony here is, and if if you read the passage or you listened very carefully, you would have noticed that I left one group of people out. Not a group of people, they're actually not people. They're the unclean spirits in verse 11 and 12. Chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says... And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. The crowds think he's a healer. The apostles think they're just following some guy. The scribes think he's Satan. And his mother and brothers think he's just a crazy lunatic. The unclean spirits are the only ones so far where we get a clear acknowledgement from anyone in the Bible, sorry, anyone in this Mark's Gospel, that he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Now that's quite interesting because we saw that before in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 34, it says, He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak. Why? Here's the reason. Because they knew him. Because they knew him. The demons and the unclean spirits know more about Jesus Christ than the disciples do. At this point of Mark's gospel, at this point of Mark's gospel, chapter 3, who knows Jesus the best? Or who knows of Jesus the best? It seems to be the unclean spirits. Now this is a surprise, isn't it? Because then we have to think, what, what is, what's going on? I think, I think there's a, this is a really important lesson for us, and an application to pray for. It seems like there's a category in the Bible where you are able to know something of Jesus, but not really know Jesus, not really really be a Christian. You can you can know who Jesus is, sort of intellectually. You have some sort of knowledge of, oh yeah, I know. Yep, he is the title, Son of God. But but you're actually opposed against him and there's also a category where you can sort of uh be around you know and and so you know bits and pieces of of church life and christianity you know you've you've seen and maybe even experienced healing or whatever and and you sort of been around and you're familiar with christianity like all these other characters but you actually don't know who jesus is i think this is a great warning for us but also an encouragement to, to ask ourselves, do we know Christ? Do we have a relationship with Christ? Because that's what seems to matter. It's not knowing the intellectual stuff about Jesus, like the unclean spirits, nor is it just having experienced or being around or familiar with Christian things, like the, the crowds or, or, or these other people. But it, it really comes down to, do we have a relationship with Christ? Do we have a personal relationship with Christ? And how is that relationship with the Christ going? That, that seems to be at the core of the Christian experience. Not, not, not expressed in what we do at church or what we know intellectually, but it's about who do I think Jesus is? So um, for me, if, if I'm reflecting upon myself... I think this is probably my greatest danger in my Christian life is to treat Jesus like my employer or my, you know, um, company vision statement. (laughs) Um, Because in a sense, it's my job to tell people about Jesus. And so Jesus can sometimes become, you know, and, and, and as pastors and student ministers, and, and, and those who are involved in Christian ministry, we, we can sometimes treat Jesus like a product that we, you know, spoof around. Oh, you know, come and see the new Jesus that I've got here. Um, and not actually have a relationship with him. And, and, and this is a real danger for those in, in Christian ministry, uh, in whatever shape or form. Um, we, we can treat Jesus like a product or, 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 a, or a culture sort of thing without actually having a relationship with him. So I think for me, you know, if you if you're running out of things you want to pray for, <laughs> um, please pray for for your pastors and 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 our elders. Uh, pray pray for Alan and me and 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 the elders that we have. Pray for your gospel community and engage leaders. Help us not to treat Jesus like a product, but rather as our King. Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be praying for that for you as well. And as we go on. Continuing in our uh, series of beginning with God, I really do hope we can grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is and why he matters to us. I'm going to pray, and then I'll let you go uh, on for the rest of your day. Let's pray. Dear God, forgive us that we treat you like a product, that we taste the goods of your kingdom, where we fool ourselves into thinking that we know you. Father, where our hearts are very far, please help us to know our King as we spend time in your Word and by your Spirit, Father, you reveal yourself to us so clearly here and you help us to see that while we were still sinners, while we were still very far away from you, you were the one who came down and gave us life and entry into that kingdom. Father, we thank you that it is through your son that we get to know who you are and in jesus name amen well that was mark three beginning with god we're going through mark's gospel tomorrow i'll see you for mark four